Hello and welcome to Drink to the Past. Instead of our normal theme song, here is a guy who knows how to play the bagpipes playing a violin with no bow and it's probably out of tune. I don't know how to play this thing yet. Anyways, now that we've got that over with, I think it's time to drink. Uh, surprisingly so, not terrible. Yeah, actually, considering that's like pretty much my first time ever like putting my fingers on like not my first first time but one of the first few times because i just got the strings in the mail today anyways i found a violin in my dumpster so i was like sweet free fiddle uh and um now i have a fiddle and i still don't know how to play it but uh bow's in the mail so hopefully i'll get a bow and then hopefully i'll eventually know how to actually play this thing uh so anyways uh today's sean drinks something stupid was actually Crow's suggestion, so we're going to put on our final touch here. The last step is to add nutmeg and stir with a cinnamon stick. So there you go, Chris. I'll let you stir your own. And then it says that you can uh, try using the cinnamon stick as a straw. Who knows what will happen? Those so today's... Yeah, that's well, that's, happen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but uh, today's um, suggestion was from crow who's joining us for the first time in since the last time he joined us which was actually not all that long ago for the first time ever yeah and uh chris i think you'll actually maybe be slightly excited by this uh this is based off of one of your favorite legend of zelda games this mm. is chateau romani mm. is that good shit it's tasty cool it also gets stuck in my mustache yeah uh the recipe comes <laughs> from us courtesy of the Legends Cookbook. Uh, they tweeted this out on New Year's Day, and I didn't have the ingredients on hand to make one then, but uh, now we do. Crow suggested we do these on the podcast, so I thought that'd be a good idea. Let me see if it's good through a cinnamon stick. Mm. Very good through a cinnamon stick. Very cinnamony. Um, it's not that stupid a drink. Yeah, not actually. Actually, this is... this is. Oh, I dropped the cinnamon stick right the fuck in. I can't use it as a straw anymore. I mean, I could if I dug it out with my fingers and got, you know, booze all over my hand like a barbarian. And now we got infinite magic for the uh, mm. rest of the cycle. But actually, that's really good with the rimming. Um, cause it, and double health. The recipe has you mm. rim the glass with uh, maple syrup and um, cinnamon sugar. So that's uh, that's pretty good with the rim there. So you don't get yeah. that through the straw, but you, you do get the hilarity of drinking through a cinnamon stick, which I am going to pull that There's also out. nutmeg in there, which mm -hmm. can act as uh, hallucinogenic. Sweet. Did I put enough in for a hallucinogen? I hope not, because nutmeg hallucinations <laughs> are horrible. Yeah, and you got to drive home. So if you're hallucinating, don't drive home. That's the moral of the story on the podcast today. Hey, if you can't go home, that means more Chateau and Lonnie. Sweet. That means more hallucinogens. That means I will yeah. be hallucinating for several days. <laughs> Again? <laughs> I mean, anyway. <laughs> so, glad we got that out of the way, and we might have some beer later. I got a little more Chateau Romani if you want to uh, uh, fill yourself up mm. later, Chris. Um, mm. God, that's good. Actually, that's good. Uh, let's let's rate this shit before we go on to the news. Uh, yeah. Crow, what do you give that? I'm going to give it either 15 or 16. Like, it's really damn good. I just wish it was a little thicker. Oh. Uh -huh. Gonna... I can see that. I wish mine was mixed a little better. I, I think the nutmeg as the last step uh, could be, like, I think, I feel like you could maybe put the nutmeg in in the first place and stir it in with the rest of the stuff. Maybe. Uh, so next time I think I'll try that and see if it's a little better. Because I feel like 
personally, maybe partially, I think my problem is that I'm using two big ice cubes, so it's it's hard to stir it yeah. in with a cinnamon stick. Because uh, I don't I don't have any fancy ice. I have a you know plain ass ice tray in my freezer, uh, so I've got pretty big ice chunks in here. So that might be part of the problem too. So, uh, but if it wasn't for that, then I would really be digging this drink, and I, I'm still digging it pretty well even despite that. But it's a little bit of a textural thing to have all that nutmeg kind of right on top. Um, so that I'm gonna knock it down to a 14. But it I I think it could easily be better than that if I prepared it a little more professionally. Mm-hmm. Chris, what's your take? I'll give it a 15. Mm. What kind of milk did you guys use? Whole. Good. Okay, see, that that's where I went wrong. I used 2%, so I yeah. think whole milk might make it better. I have whole milk on hand all the time anyways, because whole milk is like people like steer away from it because it's got more fat, but it also has <laughs> more of all of the good things that are in milk. Because yeah. when they skim I'm, the fat, they skim the rest of the everything, the, you know, the vitamin D and the I, calcium, too. I feel like... Know? I feel like when you drink whole milk, you're not going to get fat because you drink whole milk. You're going to get fat probably because of, like, a bunch of two liters of Mountain Dew. Yeah. Just, like, the, the general you. <laughs> All the good stuff. Right. I'm fat probably because of Mountain Dew. Because you can attest <laughs> to me drinking a shitload of Mountain Dew in high school and college. You have drank a shitload of Mountain Dew. Yeah. I still drink a reasonable amount of Mountain Dew. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is, now it's time for news and booze. We've already got the booze oh. out of the way. Uh, you should ahead, probably Crow. point out why I sound like I do. Why do you sound like you do, Crow? Well, because I'm on a speaker. You on are Discord. on a speaker. On Discord. I'm not actually there. He's not actually here. He may be at some point. And then we'd have Crow live in a room with us. Yeah. Later in the year. Yeah. We'll see how that goes, eventually. Stare at him real awkward, like. <laughs> so, yeah, Crow's audio might be slightly garbledish, but I try to keep the levels pretty close to where we are talking, and usually I think it comes out okay. Um, usually sounds all right. <clears throat> yeah. So, anyways, going on to the news and booze. Uh, so, the first news topic today uh, 12 SKUs have been added to GameStop's internal system for Nintendo Switch games. And that has, of course, sprung a whole slew of Nintendo Direct rumors, like it always does. Uh, so, Crow, I assume you knew about this being a GameStop personnel. You know, funny enough, I actually haven't. I've been off the last few days. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, uh, what do you think about this? You think a Nintendo Direct is imminent? Most likely. It's been a while since the last one, so we're a little overdue. Yeah, especially since we got, like, pretty much no important Nintendo news at the Game Awards. I mean, we got, like, a No More Heroes release date trailer, but, like, they could have done that literally at any time. And it it was, like, one of the earliest things in the Game Awards, too, so it, like, it didn't generate that much hype. People were just like, okay, that's a solid announcement. Where was this going to go from here? And then it didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Did I lose you? Uh, not that I know of. Are you still there? Crow? Yes. Hello? Hello, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Uh, the little thing on Discord I says I'm I can't hear you guys. making oh, noise. There you are. Oh, there, you, there we are. Are we there yet? Unedited. Yeah. A drink to the past, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Mostly <laughs> gentlemen, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, I have no idea. We have 27 subscribers. I assume three of them are us. Yeah. 
Probably. Wait, no, I didn't. Never subscribed. You never subscribed to your own podcast. No, I just look <laughs> at your Twitter. Oh, okay. how else would I find out how it's posted? <laughs> that's uh, that's vaguely fair. I do post about it on Twitter. Um, so yeah, probably gonna be a Nintendo Direct. They often do one at the start of the year, often in January. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's just gonna happen. Any other opinions on this, oh Chris? None at all. All right. Not even a little. In that case, we're going to move on to a little device that came out over the holiday season known as the Nanica Smitch, which uh, was a game console that is made to look pretty much exactly like a Switch. It's the box art and everything is almost identical to the Switch box art, down to the like little hand pulling off one of the Joy-Cons, even though it's not a called a Joy-Con, probably. Uh, so it's it's clearly made to almost fool people into thinking they're buying a Nintendo Switch. Um, it's only available in Colombia, but it is... It, it actually looked like an okay device for what it is, because it's not as expensive as a Switch. I, I don't remember. It was like 100 bucks or something, roughly. And then it's like a, a 6-inch LCD screen that pops up like a switch and you can play it in tabletop mode it doesn't have any docking features but it was it's just this kind of weird thing and then it's loaded with 800 different games that are all probably hacked roms of old nintendo games so i saw this and i was actually kind of like actually this looks hilarious i kind of want one so but on the other hand i bet several people in Colombia were really pissed off christmas morning <laughs> Did you see uh, about that at all, Crow? No, I'm looking at it right now. I'm wondering how long it'll be before Nintendo takes it down. Yeah, I don't know, because in like those uh, far out countries, it's kind of hard to tell. Because especially like since you're looking at the box art now, you can see that they actually even used an image of Mario himself in the box art. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, there's been some debate as to whether or not Nintendo can feasibly take action to thwart this. I mean, these kinds of machines are around anyways. Uh, my brother actually got a knockoff NES Classic uh, that had like 400 games or something. Uh, and other than that, was pretty much the same as the NES Classic. But he said it really had terrible emulation quality and everything like that. And so the 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 regular one is much better. Um, also, if you Google Nanica Smitch, uh, Google autocorrect will change your words to Bianca Smith, who is apparently a porn star. Apparently. I found that out because I put in Nanica Smitch into, uh, Google to figure out where I could get one of these, if I could get one in the States, and I probably could if I felt like bothering with importing or some bullshit, but I don't care that much. Uh, and then it was like, did you mean Bianca Smith? Here's some porn images. And I was like, that's awkward. That's not what I was looking for at all. I didn't mean to look You know they tailor your search results. Hmm, neat. Like, they base it off your behaviors. When I Google so it, you try to autocorrect a porn into a switch. Yes. <laughs> I didn't find, it didn't come up with anything when I Googled it. Did you Because Google I it? didn't Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, 
the fifth DLC pass for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate uh, is possibly coming out February 29th. It has now been listed as an estimated release date of February 29th as per the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate website. Uh, like, people are freaking out about this, and I'm like, dude, they said last year that they would all be available by February 2020. That's, so we knew this from the beginning. So, yeah, so, like, if it came in March, then... It would have been delayed, and this is like them basically confirming that it's not delayed, I guess? Is that really news? People are taking it as news, so I put it in the news topics because it's a buzz. What do you think about that? Uh, The cardboard cutout that I sat in the chair and just sat down to replace doesn't have any thoughts about this. Ah, what a dick. Slapping in his cardboard ass. All right. Is that what sound cardboard makes when you slap its ass? And if we're talking news, you know. we could o- we could always talk uh, Rise of the Skywalker for five seconds. Oh yeah, I guess we didn't really talk about Star Wars last week because we didn't have a podcast last week. Did you like Rise of Skywalker? I did, and in retrospect, a lot of the stuff that happened in it was stupid, but I still enjoyed watching it. I mean, it's fucking Star Wars. I mean, yeah, it's not. The most thought-provoking of film series is, 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 but it's, like, somewhat thought-provoking enough and just a lot of spectacle and a lot of cool shit happening. So, I liked it, too. Crow, did you like it? Did you see it yet? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. You're slacking, man. I know. Yeah, the, the major downside of the film for me is a lack of meme potential. Hmm. That's okay, because, I mean, Baby Yoda makes up for all of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mandalorian's still around, so. Yeah. Did you watch The Mandalorian at all? Either of you? No. Not yet. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I watched the whole thing. The first season was actually really good, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Uh, which is kind of interesting, actually, because this is the first thing that Jon Favreau has directed that I have really, really, really liked. Because uh, I feel like most of the time when I watch a movie by him, it's like... And that was okay. Uh, like he did the live action Jungle Book, and that was like yeah, that was fine. That was the definition of eh, it's yeah, okay. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like like really shitty, right? But like, if I was seven, I might have loved it. It was like I sat down and watched it, and I remember not being. Or that movie, uh, Chef. Terrible. Uh, I think he directed that. He starred in it as well, and it was like this chef and his son that start a food truck. Didn't his voice actor uh, quit because they made fun of Scientology? Um, I have no idea about that. Maybe. But yeah, yeah Chef was like this movie where Park. he's just like totally this chef that starts a and it's like mostly this kind of family movie and it's got a little bit of kind of tension between divorced parents or something but mostly it's just this dad and his son starting a food truck and there's like one scene in the start of the movie where John Favreau quits his restaurant job at a fancy restaurant to start a food truck with his son and he quits by like this food critic makes fun of his lava cake and he like spends like 10 minutes throwing f-bombs and curses at him and literally if it was not for that one scene this movie would be pg but it is a hard r because of that one fucking scene and i'm just (laughs) like why the hell did you do this you're shooting yourself in the foot limiting your audience to an r-rated scene for for this five minutes of expletives 
where there's like hardly a swear word throughout the rest of the film. It was so weird. I wanted to accurately represent the kitchen experience, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> so I guess cooks stop being so salty and uh, swearing so much when they buy a food truck. That's that's our probably takeaway. not. John Favreau, if you're listening, then uh, you know, call us up and tell us what's wrong with our line of thinking. Mm. That's some good chateau. All right, and the PlayStation Store added a Final Fantasy VII remake demo to the files, which is not yet available and it's not yet announced, but it will. It it probably will be soonish. Maybe they're gonna do it. Yeah, I mean, I can see them releasing a demo. They obviously made a demo for E3, so why not be able to release it, you know, outside of that and maybe make some capital off of it? Just be like, hey, here's this demo. And then people are like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. I'm going to buy this shit. So, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Dropping in the last month, generate hype. Yeah, could be cool. Um, so that I'm, releases sometime in March. That might be, be cool. the like the <clears throat> straw that will make me buy a PS4. Hmm. Or I might hold out for a PS5 and hope for backwards compatibility. Yeah, that, that's what they're shooting for. Yeah, that would be cool. Because um, honestly, that because I've heard rumors that they were shooting for trying to make it backwards compatible all the way to PS1, which would be just like an enormous library of games, and I would be like so hyped for a PS5 at that point. That's what uh, the Series X is doing, so it would make yeah. sense that somebody would try to do that as well. It's kind of weird, though, that the Series X is only backwards compatible still. With, I think it's just kind of odd that... I, I don't understand exactly how games are made, though, but like, I feel like it's odd that there's only a specific list of Xbox 360 games that are backwards compatible and a specific list of, list of original <laughs> Xbox games that are backwards compatible. Because uh, reason being is... They've got to rebuild the control scheme for the games. Because hmm. the, the Xbox One is a little bit different from the 360 and Xbox Original, especially the original. I mean, but you remap the black and white buttons to the LB and RB, or, or right? And, and theoretically, that should be all the major changes that need to occur. That's the only major difference. I'm, I'm not sure. It's it's always kind of confused me because I'm like, it has the same number of buttons. It certainly doesn't have less buttons, so you can't accommodate one or something like that because so that would obviously be an just issue. Just do one-size-fits-all mapping. Yeah, I feel like this should be All easier than is, it is. But again, I'm not a game designer, so maybe I'm just you know talking yeah. out of my ass. Uh, I'll drink to that. I'll drink to talking out of my ass. You want to drink to talking out of my ass? I'll drink to talking <laughs> out of our collective assholes. Yeah, we have a lot of collective assholes. Mm-hmm. Three to be exact. Yes. Six in this room. What? Uh, um, I think if there's three collective assholes and there's six in this room, then that means that you and I each count for three assholes and... Or maybe I'm just smuggling a few extras in my coat. Maybe. <laughs> would you like but then also that would imply that Crow counts as negative three assholes. Look. Don't ask questions you don't know the answer to. I'm not asking questions. I'm just putting facts out there so that everybody else can ponder. Speaking of negative animal circumference. (laughs) Out of context, uh, something, something, something. Out of context, everything. 
yeah, that's that's kind of how it works. Anywho, today we will move to our video game topic, which is um, what should the lethality rate be in in video games, and are harder games better? Because like I feel like that's kind of a popular thing uh, in the last decade. Uh, kind of coming out of the last decade, I feel like that there was like almost a subgenre of games that is just hard as balls for sake of being hard as balls. Like Dark Souls. Like Dark Souls. And, um, Dark Souls made its own genre. Yeah, and to an extent, other games kind of followed that similar pattern. Uh, Cuphead, people have complained about the same kind of thing. Um, and Celeste, uh, especially in the last few levels, people are complaining about Celeste just being hard for the sake of fuck you players. You know they could just turn on accessibility mode. Uh, probably. I, I mean, I don't and know. And Celeste... I never looked in the options. What am I, a, some kind of a fucking computer guy? I don't want options. I want to <laughs> jump and swoosh and have a riveting story about a girl climbing a mountain. Who dies a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, she does. <laughs> so anyways, um, what, what, what are your thoughts about this, Crow? Because uh, you've played uh, some of the Dark Souls games, haven't you? <clears throat> so do you think that they're necessarily better for being so hard or is there an objective advantage to being so hard um i don't know it's hard to say they're very like there's something rewarding and different about it uh-huh. but it's definitely not for everyone i think it also depends on how you go about it but trying to climb like, my chateau romani that bastard I got him out Sekiro. I think did it the best. Right. Is why it earned Game of the Year. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying that Sekiro does it slightly differently and better than... And, and I've also heard that a lot about Bloodborne. Um, kind of took a yeah. slightly different approach to the same sort of concept that kept a lot of the brutal uh, difficulty scaling and uh, but just kind of worked it differently to where it felt better to play than because i don't know because my problem with dark souls 3 is the only dark souls game i've ever played and i i felt like it was hard because the user interface was obtusely clunky on purpose to make it more difficult so that you had to get skilled at knowing what the thing was gonna do because uh, it had a lot of like weird quirks that pretty much no other game would have done like when i push the dodge button like a little bit too late and then i get hit then i'll get hit and then my character will do the dodge anyway even though i just got hit which i feel like no other game in the planet does that and that's just well it it it, it felt like a weird design choice to me uh and i don't know that i, I it sounds like other games like implemented it better without feeling so fucking clunky it's got kind of a cue on it yeah, and I guess once you're used to these sort of things and these sort of quirks is, uh, you, you know, obviously I got better and I got used to those sort of things. So if I would, you know, I'd get more in tune with whether or not I was going to get hit and then I wouldn't dodge if I was going to get hit anyway, because otherwise I would waste time dodging a hit that I already took. <laughs> uh, what were you saying, Carl? One thing that was pointed out to me, um, Dark Souls came out this last decade. Yeah. Came out as a response to the increase of like casual gaming that was brought about by the Wii, right? So it, it became like this is the answer. It's the gamer's gamer type game. Uh huh. 
So I think that's why they just made it as hard as humanly possible. But you're a real gamer if you don't beat this. Yeah. Because I, I, I do think that there's definitely something to the challenge there, especially among uh, quite a number of gamers. You know, a lot of gamers like a good challenge. I was talking to my uh, brother-in-law, came over and played Kirby Star Allies with my kids, and he was just laughing at how easy it was. He's like, this is barely a game. I'm like, it's fine. It's Kirby. What do you want from it? <laughs> it's for children! My wife's here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Internet. Hey, speaking of that, I also made the non-alcoholic version of this drink called Chateau Romani, which my wife is now going to try and rate on a scale of 3 to 17 because I forced her to because she made her presence known to the internet. Hi. <laughs> yeah. It's rimmed with cinnamon sugar and maple syrup. Is it delicious? Yeah. Yes? No? Ooh, is it weird? <laughs> it's weird. Okay. <laughs> Give me a minute. So it's the the non-alcoholic version of this is actually slightly different because normally it uses ah! um, Bailey's and uh, vanilla bourbon, which I think gives it a lot of character in here. And the non-alcoholic suggestions it gave it's were bland. Is it? Huh. It's bland it's and water. Well, it might be because it's watered down. It's been sitting a little bit, so if you stir it around a little, that might help. There's a cinnamon stick in it that you can stir it I with. don't like cinnamon! You know I don't like cinnamon! Yeah, I was, I was wondering if that was going to be an issue here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I tried. I love you. I make me do. a ginger beer next time. Or butter beer next time. Okay, I'll make you a butter beer next time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, So, but yeah, I thought the suggestions were actually a little odd, because instead of the uh, vanilla bourbon and Bailey's, it suggested to use... Heavy whipping cream instead of the Bailey's. That's that makes sense. But then it suggested apple cider instead of the bourbon, which I thought like Ew. that's a, just a weird combo with the rest of this stuff. But I was like, okay, I'm going for it. But anyways, it looks like I have to drink the rest of that. Uh, Give us your thoughts. Yep, but you know now I have more drinks to drink, which I you can add never, alcohol to this one. I could. I could go get some bourbon and Bailey's. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway. Hi, Crow. Hello. Crow's here, too. I heard. We were aware. Yeah. Anyways, um, so, Chris, have you played any of these brutally hard games? I know you've played, like, Celeste. Uh, have you played any of the Dark Souls games or anything other than that that you would consider in this vein? Dark, there seems to be a th curse with certain <clears throat> games like Dark Souls where I start playing them and I start enjoying them, and then I get stuck on... Not like a boss or anything, but just navigation, some navigational challenge, and then I get sick mm -hmm. and I put the game down forever and never pick it back up. Huh. I had that with um, there was this Alice computer Alice in Wonderland game that I don't remember where it was, and it was like I think it was in the not no, it was in the two thousands era, and I just I couldn't get past this one like puzzle area and it was just past the tutorial so I thought it was stupid that I couldn't get past it and then this wasn't before I was I wasn't dating anyone that was playing the game none of my friends were playing this game and this was before like I googled is this American McGee's Alice I don't remember but no American Idol uh, American. it was it was a very gothic <laughs> 
Alice in Wonderland video game. Neat. Yeah, I, and, I know, and that's why I liked it I, because it was so different and so cool. But mm-hmm. it, as opposed to the Alice in Wonderland segment in Kingdom Hearts, which was honestly just terrible. I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> Maybe I should like re replay it and see if it's better. But I understand, like it, you, you get hung up on this little thing that you feel like you should be able to pass, right? And you can't get past it. Yeah, and it's just, I'm not sure of the path forward, and then... Yes, Ale- it's whatever McGee. Would, I, I mean, I don't expect the game to, like, handhold me through stuff, but sometimes it's nice to be, like... Have a vague idea of what ha- to do yeah, next. Yeah, as opposed to, to go, go alright, I've a skilled top to bottom from all the areas that are open to me. And, uh... Right, and there's probably one path that's small and off to a corner that you missed somewhere. Um, I've because I've had that problem uh, in games with teeny paths off to the left that you miss or what have you. Um, I, I had a thought about a game that I particularly did that in, but now I can't think of what it is. Uh, I'm gonna mix up some more Chateau Romani. I'm bring it back. All right. Well, he's going to make more Chateau Romani. I'm going to drink some more Chateau Romani. But, I don't know. I kind of like the tend towards harder games after that era where games were made as easy as possible so that you just got through them quickly and just forgot about them. And then right. played, and then bought a different game, and then bought a different game, and then bought a different game. Yeah. My wife is making fun of me for buying too many games and not finishing them. <laughs> so many games! <laughs> I bought him a PlayStation 4, not the last Christmas, but the Christmas before. No, it was last Christmas. It's no, only been no, one year. No, Christmas and then Christmas. So two Christmases. Okay, a Christmas and a half, because this last Christmas was only Whatever. two weeks ago. It's like, it still counts as this Christmas. I love you. This love isn't you. why partners <laughs> arguing. Um, <laughs> Chris is poking the mic. If you, if you heard that. I'm going to poke them up. I knocked down the glass that held our nutmeg. I bought this game. I bought Spider-Man a year and a half. A a year ago. A year and two days. (laughs) Barely past Christmas. Whatever. (laughs) I bought him Spider-Man for Christmas in 2017. 18. And he still hasn't freaking finished it. (laughs) Have you finished Kingdom Hearts 3? No, because I hate the end, I hate the flying, and that whole battle, the last battle of Kingdom Hearts 3, is all fucking flying. Am I allowed to cuss? I'm gonna yeah, sure. cuss. I wasn't sure if I was going to allow cussing and then the first episode, like Chris just let out an F-bomb, and I was like, I guess we are. We're that kind of podcast now. But I, it, w- it would not have stayed family-friendly for no. long, even if we tried for that. Our children Probably are going to listen to this when they're like... You know, thirty and be like, "Dang, Ooh, daddy's a potty mouth." <laughs> Mom cussed a whole lot. Um, <laughs> On that one episode, you were in two episodes. Shut up. <laughs> um. Anyways, so but the end of battle is terrible. So, do you like harder games, or would you prefer easier games, or do you see that there's an advantage like to harder tra- games? I like strategic games. I like Not strategy games, but strategic. There's strategic. A, there's a there's a, there's a difference. difference. <laughs> there's a fucking difference. <laughs> but I like games. It there's a balance. I don't like 
like Kirby, I'm okay with you know playing Kirby if it's just for you know we're drunk or we're half asleep or we just want something to do while we're talking to each other. But if I'm going to sit down and play a game, I want to sit down and play a game. Mm-hmm. So there has to be, but I can't play a game that's just hard to be hard. I am not a hard to be hard. I am not hard to be hard. My life's not hard, guys. <laughs> Important. You Important information. <laughs> I was never hard to get. <laughs> It's true. All I had to do was play the bagpipes, and she was like, yep, no, that that's, one. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. Maybe Anyways. it was because I was hard to get. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Okay. I mean, not while Chris is here. <laughs> that would make things kind of awkward. Anywho. Bye. <laughs> and that was the end of my wife for tonight, apparently. <laughs> uh, so if you hear any more background noise, it's just her watching Netflix or some such in the background. I'm going to watch Witcher without you. You can't watch Witcher without me. Don't watch The Witcher without me. I started the book briefly, sort of. Uh, there's a free sample on Kindle. So. Right, there was a book for that That was before those series of games. Yeah, actually. How Have you played Witcher? No. Crow, have you played I would like Witcher? to point out... Go ahead. I have wireless headphones. I kept them on. I heard all of that. Nice. What the fuck? Can you... Ask him if he's played Witcher. My wife would like to know if you've played The Witcher. No, I have not. I have. Yeah, that's one of those games that's also been on my backlog of things that I want to buy but haven't got around to. Uh, but yeah, I, I so I, I did start the book briefly this morning because there's a free sample of like the first chapter on Kindle. So I was like, hey, maybe I'll check it out because I haven't read like any book in like a long ass time because I don't read books because I play too many video games. But I was like, you know what? I could you know not do as much twitter on my phone and actually get something out of it instead of just mindlessly ooh look more tweets and memes and bullshit so i'm trying to be intellectual or something occasionally once this morning and probably maybe never again who knows <laughs> so anywho um yeah we, we on, had a topic we, we are on a topic vaguely um so is there anything else that we need to talk about about video Booze games milk. being too hard? Well, it's... A lot of the nice thing about having difficulty in games is that it kind of forces you to engage with the game more. Mm-hmm. Not just... If, it, if it's in the right spot of difficulty, it makes you kind of have a relationship with the game and not just treat it as another thing to throw away. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to drink this through a cinnamon stick again. It's better that way. Better that way. Mm. Yeah. Do it, Crow. Do it. I didn't have one yet. The ones that I have are tiny. Yeah, the ones I got are kind of small, so like they fell right into my rocks glass after I put it down, because it's like exactly, it's slightly shorter than my rocks glass. I'm sure I'll find mine at the bottom after drinking more of this. Yeah. So, anywho, um,. Yeah, I like games that are hard to an extent. I don't feel that they need to be brutally difficult to be good, though. But I kind of understand where the thrill comes in from overcoming such games as that anyway. Is that kind of what our consensus is? Yeah, and if a game is... 
and it's never good to have a game that's overly easy. Yeah, because that was my problem with Kirby's Epic Yarn. Uh, going back to rag on Kirby again. Um, <laughs> not that I mean to. I actually love Kirby as a series. But Kirby's Epic Yarn was literally the easiest game that I have ever played because you can't die. You, you, you actually can't. So if you can't die and you can just go through the game and it's a side-scroller so there's not really much navigational choice mm-hmm. then what's the point of playing? Brief puzzle solving and a cute story. So I could... So like it was it was fine but I like I thought that it was like so when you're in the game you collect beads along the way and then when you get hit you drop all of your beads and then you can pick them all back up but they despawn after a few seconds so I figured it's like Sonic if you run out completely and get hit again then you uh, die right so that's what I figured and I went through the whole game like a fair ways through the game without actually losing all my beads anyways and then I got hit by a guy when I had no beads finally in one of the last few stages actually and I was like oh no I died I'm like wait no I'm not dead oh wait can I get hit again wait and then I like I just walked into this guy for a while and it would knock me back but it wouldn't kill me and then I jumped in a hole and it just like Kirby yarn spinned himself back out of the hole I was like you you, like I have to try the platforming puzzle again but that's it (laughs) <laughs> it was so... Like, that That one, I think, was stupidly easy. It's usually not a good sign if you can get the same experience as playing the game from watching a YouTube video of somebody playing through the game. Yeah, but, you know, on the other hand, I think the same thing could be said of Dark Souls, because it would be a lot less arduous a process to watch a YouTube playthrough of an expert player who can dodge perfectly every time in Dark Souls. And you would get all the story. I feel like in Dark Souls, though, a lot of it is... A lot of where the fun would come from is getting better at the game. Mm-hmm. Which you can't get through a video. Yeah. At fair. least get, like, challenge and you get to explore a bit. Right. And kind of make your own mark. Mm-hmm. You can in play Kirby, that. you can decorate your own house. Because that's what you wanted to do, right? <laughs> They could do that in Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think there's something to be said for difficult games in terms of them being more satisfying, but there's also different kinds of difficulty, some kinds of difficulty just... <laughs> qualitatively different kinds of difficulty. Like, difficulty that comes from difficulty with the controls, like slippery, shitty controls. <laughs> it's not the kind I'm thinking of. Right, so we don't like Zelda 2? It's funny, because Chris likes Zelda 2. I do like Zelda 2. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a masochist. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Crow, do you like Zelda 2? I do. I want a remake. I, you know what? I would actually like a remake too, but not because it's good. Because I think it could be good if it got a remake. I would. I would also like to see a remake. Like, especially after playing Samus Returns, like, if they just updated the combat system a little bit like they did in that game, uh, I think a Zelda 2 remake could actually do wonders for the game. But speaking of hard games, like the original Zelda, I mean, it probably doesn't feel that hard today, but... I mean, relatively, it still kind of does, because it's 
you know, it's a different kind of mindset that you go into. It, it It's hard for the same reasons I felt like Dark Souls 3 was hard, except for it was hard because of slightly clunky controls because that was literally all they could do in 1986. Yeah. But, you know, as opposed to just, we made the controls slightly awkward just to make it more difficult. Uh, yeah. So I, playing both of them, I feel like they're both roughly the same difficulty. I feel like Zelda 1 is at least as difficult as Dark Souls 3, at least from the parts of Dark Souls 3 that I've played. Because nothing that I faced felt insurmountable. It, fa it felt like most of the time I could come back to a challenge if I did die and beat it the second time without much issue. Uh, sometimes it would take three, four, five tries, depending on, you know, what else had been hitting me beforehand, you know, leading up to getting back from my save point to that particular challenge or whatever, obviously. But uh, I, I feel like, to the same extent, at least the same amount of difficulty was found in, in the original Zelda, because, you know, you had three hearts, and even in your first dungeon, most things did one heart, some things did two hearts of damage. So you're getting two or three shot by almost every enemy in the game until you get through that first dungeon, uh, which the boss for that, after you've been beat up by all the monsters, is actually kind of difficult, uh, unless you really know his patterns, which once you know the patterns of Aquamentis, he's pretty easy. You can stand in one spot if you know exactly where to be, and then just stand there and shoot him with, short, shoot him with sword beams or the arrows. And would you have this much to say about the first Zelda if it was... You know, just playing easy? Um, probably not. I don't know, I guess. Huh. Say if every enemy did a quarter heart in the first dungeon, and then you just kept on getting heart containers at the same rate? Right, yeah. Because that, that would... I, I think there's a point to where it... You know, because like in some of the newer games, some enemies will do a quarter heart. Uh, I say newer, and I'm actually thinking of Wind Waker specifically, which is actually... <laughs> like 15 years old that's that's not a very new game and uh actually what, what was that 2003 so that is a 17 year old game yeah shit almost an adult <laughs> right? the game is almost an adult fuck we're in 2020 we're in 2020 crow happy new year 2020 vision <laughs> uh-huh well yeah i'll drink i'll drink to that that's terrible <laughs> um but yeah, in Wind Waker, like, some of the things would do really, like, minimal damage, like a quarter heart was all you would take from a keys flying into you, but they're, they also kind of balance that well. So, really, it depends on how they balance it, because the, the Wind Waker was not as difficult overall as Zelda 1, but the puzzles were a lot harder, because they were a lot more in-depth in a 3D space and designed around that aspect, rather than kill all the enemies or push a block which is literally or, or bomb a wall that is literally all of the puzzles in Zelda 1 yeah the Zelda 1 dungeons were not they weren't really all there yet right they were fine they were a great proof of concept so I guess what I'd be getting to is a lot of the reason behind difficulty is making sure players have a reason to engage with a lot of the complexity behind a game that makes a game interesting Instead of, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again and winning the game and forgetting about it. Because mm -hmm. it was badly designed. Like Zelda 2? <laughs> Man, you're really harping on Zelda 2. Ooh, shots fired! <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, 
So th- there is fairness. lots of fairness to that statement. Go, go ahead, Crow. I was going to say, you have the same mindless distaste for uh, Zelda 2 that I do for Triforce Heroes. Yeah. Eh, that's that's also probably fair, because <laughs> I like Triforce Heroes. <laughs> you know which game I would love to go back to? Nope. Is the Minish Cap. My wife would love to go back to the Minish Cap. I'm not I'm entirely sure how that is related. The third and, Zelda! The third and last Capcom Zelda. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, actually, uh, Minish Cap is pretty good, so if you haven't got that, uh, would be worth checking out, definitely. Um, I don't know if that was ever released on Virtual Console for 3DS or anything. Uh, Wii U, maybe. Maybe one or the other. I know it was on the 3DS Ambassador program, but there were some of those games that were only released for the Ambassador program and not on Virtual Console later. Uh, So I don't remember which of those games were which. Because I remember, like, I was talking to somebody and I was like, oh yeah, I have this on 3DS Virtual Console. Uh, it, it might have been Minish Cap, actually. It was either Minish Cap or, or maybe Fire Emblem Sacred Stones was also one of the ambassador programs he got. Is that the one that where they gave you 20 games because they lowered the price? Yeah, because I bought my 3DS within the first, like, three or four months of launch, and then they were like, hey, this thing is selling like shit. We're going to drop the price by 50 bucks. Hey, everybody who already bought one, you get 20 free games. And I was that like, was cool. okay, sure. Whatever. I, I got it. Right, I, I right. got to replay Minish Cap and Sacred Stones. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's, that's good enough for me. Those are great fucking games there. Plus, you know, some of the classic NES games were really good. I think I did replay Zelda 1 on that as well. I attempted Zelda 2 many times. Like, I, every time I get access to Zelda 2, I retry it and retry it. <laughs> just to try and see what anybody sees in this game or to try and push myself through to finally beat it. But most of the time I get like to Death Mountain and I'm just like, okay, fuck this. You're only like less than halfway through the game. I know. I've got past it before. I got like to one of the, I think the sixth or seventh dungeon. How many dungeons is there? There's, there's eight, seven, right? Is there seven dungeons? Okay. Yeah, there's the si- there's the six primary, and then there's the final one. Okay, because I think I was in the second to last, so I guess that would have been the sixth. I was thinking it was the seventh because I was thinking there was eight. But anyways, uh, yeah, I think that's the furthest I ever got, and I I don't remember. I, I think that save's still on my GameCube. I'm gonna boot that up later. Uh, anyway. I have Zelda 2 for a lot of consoles, considering how much I hate it. <laughs> You're just that big a Zelda fan. Apparently. You're compelled to... Well, also, it, it just comes out for everything, and I, I somehow end up acquiring it, because I got Zelda 2 on the collector's disc that came with my GameCube, obviously, which because I got it with the Zelda Collector Edition, which was Zelda 1 and 2, Ocarina, and Majora's Mask, all on a GameCube disc, which is pretty sweet. Um... And then I got it, Zelda 2, on Virtual Console for 3DS for the Ambassador program, like I was saying. I got it on uh, my NES Classic, and I got it on Switch Online now. That is, that's too much Zelda 2. That is far too much Zelda 2. That is from the guy who likes Zelda 2. You got it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is, is there like a, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of get back to the topic and also put a different spin on it. Um, is there like a happy medium of brutal difficulty as well as kind of uh, 
ease of play slash ease of... Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like diversity and funness in the system that does not directly spawn from difficulty. Is there a happy medium? Yes. Mm-hmm. And But that happy medium is different for each person. Right. So... So is there a game that you think strikes your happy medium? Uh, most of the games that strike my happy medium are roguelikes. Hmm. And considering that the point of those games is dying and playing an entirely new randomly generated world right. until you beat it. Mm-hmm. Just throwing your head against the wall until it breaks through. Yeah. Uh, that was a little bit of my problem with Crypt of the Necrodancer, but at the same time it was one of the things I loved about Crypt of the Necrodancer because it's like when you're going through it's like every time you go through it's totally different which is kind of annoying because then you can't remember where shit is but at the same time it also makes it like a little interesting yeah but also then sometimes you'll get like a really great item and go almost through all four uh floors of the dungeon and then you'll die on the last one and then on the next like 10 playthroughs you'll have nothing but a dagger for the entire fucking challenge <laughs> Yeah. Which is actually one of the biggest upgrades I thought in Cadence of Hyrule that there was, was that you just got to keep your fucking weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Cadence of Hyrule was also a bit of an easier game from what I understand. Um, yeah, like, every quality of life improvement they made made it easier, and I can see why they did all the things, but it was... But also, I kind of liked that it was a blend of the roguelikeness as well as it had some elements where things were set. Like, the, the, the entire overworld was a roguelike map, so every time you literally start a new game, it'll have a different overworld. And that's cool. But it's all got a few specific areas that are the same, that are handmade, uh, where you enter the dungeons. And then just everything in between that is randomized. And then once you get into the dungeons, the dungeons are also randomized every time you go in. So it's like it's... I think that was a perfect blend of roguelike and non-roguelike there. But uh, that's also kind of off-topic. We're good at getting off-topic. Yeah. We should make it a drinking yeah. game. Like, every time we get off-topic, we have to drink. Got a drink. I'll drink to I'll that. I'll drink to that. Mm-hmm. Crow stole my catchphrase. I have to drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... <clears throat> there, it also helps that certain games have difficulty spikes or they have difficulty in certain areas and are yeah. easier in others. And yeah. what comes to m mind for me is Breath of the Wild, uh -huh. particularly the difference between the early game and the late game. Yeah, because the early game is like mostly uh, okay challenge and then sometimes when you fight a, find a really hard enemy in the overworld when you only have three hearts, <laughs> it'll just kick your ass. Um, but... Then, uh, on the other hand of that, like, once you've got 30 hearts and all the best armor in the game, you just don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also a nice kind of, like, incline where you actually feel yourself get stronger as the game gets easier. So it's kind of got an inverted difficulty curve. Yeah, but there's a works. sense of growth. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it definitely does work, and there's still things that I think are somewhat challenging in the game even late game when you have all of the upgrades uh and and the game what what i love about this game 
is that it makes itself as difficult as you want it to be. Because if you want it to be, you know, you can make it harder than Dark Souls. You can do a three heart naked run and every enemy will probably be at least as hard as a Dark Souls enemy, if not fucking way harder. So you heart naked run Master Quest? That yeah. just sounds like torture. To I've done it. <laughs> Beeline from down you You've won it? Uh, I did. Uh, I did a three heart... Uh, I, uh, I wasn't naked. I got some armor just to get my attack bonus sure. up. So, yeah, I, I felt a little bit. Cheater. But I was like, whatever. And then I had... Um, I had food, uh, but only like uh, like heal me up to full and one extra heart food or or like just meat that would just heal me up to my three heart max anyway. Um, so I wasn't using because most things would one shot me, but occasionally I would find something that wouldn't one shot me, so it was okay. Uh, and I I also did this as a. Uh, uh, run where I just went straight to Calamity Ganon, and if you don't kill all of four of the Blight Ganons in the Divine Beasts, then they're all just sitting there waiting for you in Hyrule Castle, and you have to fight all four of them in a row there before you get to fight Calamity Ganon. It really is a game that lets you choose your own difficulty setting. Yeah, and doing that specific challenge was harder than anything I played in Dark Souls 3. Admittedly, I didn't get super far, but also... Doing that challenge, I feel like, is slightly less hard than it would be to fight a Lionel with a three-hard naked run. You know, Golden Lionels have more hit points and deal more damage than Calamity Ganon. From that Blight thing by me again? Uh, so, you know the four mini-bosses, or the four bosses of the Divine Beasts, the Thunder Blight Ganon? Yes. And uh, all them? So if you don't kill them in the Divine Beasts... If you just go to Hyrule Castle before you complete any of the dungeons, uh, which whichever ones you haven't killed in the dungeons will be there. So if you go straight from the Great Plateau to Hyrule Castle, you'll have to fight all four of them in a row in Hyrule Castle before you can fight oh. Calamity Ganon. And he'll be at full health. Yeah, and he'll be in full health because the Divine Beasts don't shoot him with a laser first. You know, I like that. Yeah, so... Right there, that was a lot harder than Dark Souls for me. Uh, but on the ob- on the opposite end of that, I've also done you know just Calamity Ganon with half hearts or with half of his health because he's been shot by the Divine Beast lasers. With you know, I've got thirty hearts and all the best armor in the game and a motorcycle. <laughs> so I guess based on you saying that, how I would finish this off is uh, good games have like decent difficulty curves. They know what they're doing with difficulty. Great games just allow you to choose the difficulty through in-game mechanics. Yeah. I think one thing that would make a game great is a good climax. Like, the final boss should feel like a final boss. Should be epic and a little difficult. I mean... require utilizing everything you have. My wife is making climax jokes. Ah. I think I also think that depends on if on if you see games as mostly a narrative thing or if you see games as achievement unlocking not achievement unlocking but like challenge based th- things to be played things to be 
to overcome in whatever way you see fit. Yeah. There, there's, I guess there's a bunch of different approaches. Like, for me... Right, I but I feel like Crowe still has kind of a point to an extent, uh, even if you are playing more for a gameplay perspective than a narrative perspective. Um, like, if you get to the end of a game and there's not a cool thing to do at the end, then what was, you know, it, it just kind of feels awkward Congratu to leave off there. Congratulations, you are champion. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of like one of those old NES endings. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're such a let okay you yeah it, it's still important okay i'll get i'll keep correct that all right so it seems like we've mostly burned this thing out of steam so uh let's go to our table topic which is also a high lethality discussion uh but in tabletop form because this is i feel like a very different beast than just difficulty and high brutality in video games because in you know, people can get butt hurt forever if you kill off one of their favorite characters that they've made in a tabletop because they created that character. <laughs> they, you know, people get put a mad. lot of effort into these things. They get mad. They get <clears throat> upset. Yeah, and it, it's a thing, and it's a thing that we have to deal with as players, and a thing that we have to deal with as DMs. And I think also there's a, a. It, it also kind of depends on the tone of the campaign, too, because it's like some campaigns are obviously a lot more lighthearted and a lot easier in challenge, but still I think they should have some potential to take a player's life every now and then. Not a player, but a player character's life. Yeah. I shouldn't kill you in the middle of, of my session most of the time. That would be Well, that's bad. where you're wrong. I should kill Chris in the middle of my sessions? <laughs> <laughs> He's whipping out his knife. I'm whipping out my Oh. It's a good, nice knife. That uh, is a nice knife. <laughs> so, I have, as I've said on a previous podcast, I have multiple opinions about this. Yes, yes you do. And one of them is that in the games that I preferred to run, it's just a kind of let the dice fall where they may and make things lethal. Because the game world killing your player character is it telling you, is it is a teaching experience. But that's not the only way to look at it, and I don't always run games that way. I run a certain kind of game that way. Yeah. Because, um, to an extent, I think that can be harkened back to the way Dark Souls and Breath of the Wild and Celeste all teach you how to play the game, is by you die. You know, <laughs> you have died. Now you know how to not die, theoretically. Yeah. After, you know, a few tries, maybe. But Oh, you, don't you jump on the spikes. On it hurt. Oh, is that what I was doing wrong? Oh, don't uh, don't let the wolf well, with the sword bad. cut off your head. Don't crawl on the floor in the Doom of Horrors and uh, <laughs> that tilts downward and dumps you into magma. Don't investigate a pew when Peyton pushes over something on a mantelpiece and causes an electric chap to kill me. And then adventure with people who will put the vest of armlessness on your character. Yeah, those dickheads. Causing you to lose your arms. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. <laughs> Don't give the crazy one the bag of holding. No, always give the crazy one the bag of holding. He will do the most hilarious or not, thing. With not bag of holding. Um, the portable. The, portable the deck of many things. With the bag of holding. The deck of many things. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Is that what you said? It don't interrupt yeah. with the deck of many things. It's a great way to screw yourself. Mm -hmm. And not in a fun way. Yeah. Uh, you know all about getting screwed in the fun way. I did have a player who drew three cards from the deck of many things and drew the three worst possible cards. Nice. 
death, painful death, and excruciating death? It was, uh, yeah, basically, essentially, <laughs> yes. They were. If there were three cards that read that, it would be those three. Nice. Uh, so yeah, um, I've never run anything that was super high lethality, but I feel like in general my campaigns are roughly an even lethality rate to each other. I've taken a player's life now and then. I often put a player into negative hit points, but I seldom kill them. But every now and then it happens. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like is where I like the challenge to be at most times as a player and a DM. Because it's like, at that point, you know that, okay, it could take my life if I'm not being smart about how I'm playing, you know, if I'm not being part of the team or something. But Tyler. it's not directly like I have to be paranoid as fuck every single second of every move that I even consider doing or I will kick over a basket and kill Nick <laughs> Nick kicked over a basket and killed me okay right <laughs> also it was the time when we all survived when one person survived an incredibly deadly session and then we stepped on a rug that was suspicious and it ate us and we all died Mm-hmm. That was a TPK. Yeah, that was awful silly of you. Uh, so, high lethality games have their place, but they're a very different kind of fun than games where lethality is a bit lower or more measured. There's more expectance of character survival. Um, one type... It's the difference between like the challenge type of fun of just get as much treasure as you can and get out alive versus the kind of, uh, I want to say, character-building, kind of character arc type mm -hmm. of fun, or, or the uh, kind of fun where you know that you can... You know that death isn't around any corner, so you can kind of get away with more expressive Fun every once things. in a while, but not all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Crow, what do you think about these kind of things? Have you ever played uh, any kind of high lethality game? Or uh, something like that. Uh, I don't know about high, like the whole game being high lethality, but my last session, everybody almost died. Oh yeah, it was pretty fun. A little nerve wracking, fun. Yeah, because that's I feel like the feeling that you want to kind of go for is it is to me most of the time, because that allows players to keep their characters, um, you know, not necessarily just alive for the sake of keeping the character alive because dying again and again is no fun. But also because, like, in these kind of high lethality games, I feel like there's no character development potential because you're not playing a character. You're playing the games to be the mechanics, to be I understand the mechanics or, or the way the mechanics might work best so I can work around them in order to keep myself alive mechanically better. You're and when I'm in that kind of campaign, I feel like I focus too much on mechanics to have as much fun. Yeah, the game is... It's a very <laughs> different style of gameplay, and yeah. that's... And I can I can see the fun in it. More about outthinking what's going on in the game than, you know, playing a character. Right, but at that point, yeah. I feel like it's less of an RP and more of a G. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And I like the RP part. I think it's an integral part of the tabletop genre. And I think without the RP, it's less good. I think it's... I think where I differ from you is I know that RP 
still happens and ends up being all kinds of fun, it just kind of becomes nihilistic in those situations. Yeah. And obviously, something like this isn't appropriate for, like, say, a superhero game where you spend a lot of time putting together, like, your super guy. Yeah. You're gonna wanna. You're gonna wanna face like superhero challenges and shit. Right. Yeah. Instead uh, of like, okay, we go into a dungeon. You get killed by a demi dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. You want. Uh, it would be like. In, where you know you're, unlikely to die. You can do things like kind of have the fun superhero drama sort of thing. Uh-huh. I don't know. I keep going back to supers. Maybe I just like supers. I, like I mean, supers are fun. Yeah. That's why we made a super system. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Showing up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it also, if the game system requires you to invest, the more time you spend building that character uh, the more invested you are in it and the more of a loss it is to have that character die so the more of a character building system that's in the game the less lethal you actually want it to be because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like oh I spent like two hours making this guy and he died in five minutes that was fuck this game uh-huh. <laughs> yeah So, yeah. Um, Crow, do you have any other thoughts on high lethality games or what have you? Not really. I mean, it, it builds a lot of sentimentality, which gets you more invested in the game. Yeah. Um, I think there's also almost a kind of a third kind of option that we haven't really discussed, which is like when it's high lethality and high roleplay value, uh, where it's like, you feel like you're probably going to die every session, uh, which uh, <clears throat> in certain campaigns I've played, that's been like just the feeling that my character is going to die this session or my character, depending on <laughs> how things go, I have the potential to die this session or even invoke a party fight, which might not necessarily kill me, but get me, you know, ousted from the party and I might have to come in with another character next session. <laughs> Things like that. I think you know the game we're talking about. I, I can think of several games, but I know which one you're re- referring to specifically with that last one. <laughs> yeah. And I think the difference there is just um, having a gap between uh, your character, like, getting knocked unconscious or having a bad thing happen to your character, putting them into desperate situation and them actually dying. Uh-huh. And having a much wider gap there can make it so that you can land in desperate situations that much more often and bounce back and still have the situations feel desperate. Yeah. And that's like a systemic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why in the most recent version of my game I ran for you guys, I had the death or dismemberment table added. Right. So that... You could get away with a little investment because you probably weren't going to die instantly. Right. Because I don't like dying instantly. Yeah. I like dying, you know, epically at uh, some sort of interesting climax. Which I feel like is what happened in more situations in uh, 
I, I feel like if I had died in the campaign we're talking about as a Ravenloft campaign, our buddy ran. Um, <clears throat> and if my necromancer character Silas had ever died, whatever would have happened would have been epic, and it would have been one of those character death stories that I told into the ages. Like, kind of like it was in Vikings when I died saving Josh. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel much better about a few of those character deaths than I have about certain other character deaths I've encountered. Like a losing Teal or losing Turl as characters. I uh-huh. feel like their deaths were appropriate for when they died. Especially Turl's second death. Yeah, because uh, Turl was actually a character that played alongside my necromancer Silas and when he died I resurrected him as a zombie and uh, for a while he was doing my bidding but he was an intelligent zombie so he was able to try and resist my uh, necromantic commands and then at some point he, he he was also a chaos knight so he he was not necessarily always acting in my best interest as much as the interest of chaos that did not necessarily impede me uh, so I, I my character got possessed by a uh, spirit of some sort which uh, Tural's solution to this was to beat me half to death and the, until the spirit was dead and then it wouldn't be inhabiting me anymore. So he beat the shit out of me uh, while I'm possessed by this spirit. And then I have my... Um, I had a zombie cleric under my control that healed me up and then I just got up and I was just like, nope, I fucking nuked Tural with a spell and uh, left him smoldering in a pile of... Goo. This might kill you. <clears throat> it might not. I don't. Let's find out together. <laughs> and then it didn't kill you, which proved to be Terrell's last mistake. Right, yeah, because I was like, okay, you just proved that you are far more of a liability than an asset. <laughs> Zap. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. And it was, you know, there was a lot of character behind both of your deaths. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like in high, high lethality games, that's not always the case. Where it's just a death is just like, eh, my guy died. I, oh, I guess I I'll be a cleric Stabbed now. by a goblin. <laughs> and I had one hit point, and you died at zero hit points, so... Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I, like in the Battle of the Five Armies, when you're looking at Thorin's death... And it takes like 20 minutes and every character has to come there and to his side and he has to make a speech for every one of them. And then on the opposite side of that coin, you have uh, Feely and Keeley's death where they're literally just the pale orc throws him off a cliff and you never see him again. Why would you remind me of that? <laughs> Sorry, not You're sorry. You're mean! <laughs> but yeah, it's like, seriously, like... You get this much out of... Th- that was partially just a bad filmmaking decision. Although... But uh, that's what I feel like the difference is. It kind of is. Although I will say there is something to be said for even the stupidest one-hit-point character dying at zero deaths. Like when I played Narzid, the de- Dread Necromancer, a first-level mm-hmm. magic user who was so annoying to his own party... That in the middle of figuring out how to deal with some goblins, someone shoved a torch in his face and he died instantly. <laughs> we were in a group huddle together, and they were saying, so what should we do about these goblins? They're trying to charge us a toll. Should we ambush them? And he said, I am Narset, the Dread Necromancer. <laughs> and that was the point the party decided they were done with me. 
<laughs> okay, so you can have these hilarious kind of deaths, and there's definitely a charm to that, as yeah. opposed to, you, you know, not every death has to be epic, and I feel like in this sort of campaign, you almost have to not take it seriously for it to be fun, too. Yeah, and the characters that live through that those high mortality moments tend to grow on you pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that doesn't happen with games that are lower lethality, but... Right. There's something special about taking a little a little level one guy who could die if someone breathed on him wrong and getting him all the way up to 11th level lord of his own castle, summoner of demons, <laughs> ratter out of other demons. <laughs> yeah. So, was that all of your multiple opinions? Or most of them? That was all the ones I can think of at this exact moment. Cool. Uh, Crow, any other thoughts on High Lethality campaigns? No, pretty much sums it up. All right. Then uh, I think that's the end of our table topic. I still have a violin on the table. Uh, Chris, what is the thing that Chris brings today? The thing I brought today is nothing. Nothing? I mean, I have, like, a knife here. That that is a cool knife, yeah. Uh, It goes click. That is the thing. See, did you hear it click? I'm not sure if you could on the, uh, here, there, that's better. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, okay, cool. And it's sharp and everything. From Wartech. I've never even heard of them, but they apparently make a neat knife with a Triforce logo on it. Um, seems actually really solidly constructed. Because most of the time I feel like when you see, like, a geeky knife with a cool geeky symbol or any kind of neat design it's like oh it's just some cheap crap you found at the chinese shop yeah but this one actually feels like very very sturdily put together um it also has chemicals known to the state of california to cause cancer good (laughs) i love causing cancer to californians (laughs) apparently thanks california your opinion of them as a coloradan yeah yeah get get out of my state you dicks <laughs> okay, so Chris didn't bring a thing. So, in that case, I will reach into my game chest here and I will bring out a game that I just got, which is called Corridor. It's like Corridor, but with a Q U O. It's a little board game that I haven't actually played yet, but I got it for Christmas and it looks neat. What do you think of that, Chris? I like I like these. You didn't expect that, did you? Wooden tile designs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so basically, it looks like the game is kind of like you build sort of a maze as you're playing the game, and you try and move your piece from one side of the field to the other, while building a maze to block other players from doing the same thing. So, it's uh, it sounds kind of neat. I haven't really looked at it all that much. Uh, we don't do board games on here much, but. Uh, as long as you don't have a thing to bring, might as well pull it out. I have I had a thing to bring, but I wanted to read through it enough to be able to give a proper opinion of it. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Uh-huh. It's also got ads from 1994 about whatever other games this game company was making. So, yeah. Got, uh, turn this. got some little tileys. Audio show. Does it sound like a board game yet when I'm spilling all the wood pieces around? So it's got, like, these little walls that go between... It's like a grid pattern, and then you've got little pawn chess heads that are made of wood. And then it's got these little wooden tiles that act as... Or these wooden uh, 
what would you call these? Like little wooden walls that go between the uh, squares on the grid. Mm-hmm. So it's nice and tactile, but it's pretty. It's pretty simple. Yeah. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of like little fiddly bits that you can get with some other. The game. instruction book is 46 pages long, and the instructions are only two one page long and it's just got 46 different languages of them or something huh this is weird it's it's got like usa great britain um f d n l i'm not even sure what the hell all these countries are uh looks like some chinese and some japanese something written in cyrillic uh, yeah, that's a lot of languages that this is. So this is a very multicultural game. Would you prefer the uh, what a, English or UK version English of the uh, I mean, here, what a fucking flex that of a game <laughs> to be like, our rules are so simple, we can print them on like a tiny little A5 size booklet. <laughs> so I guess it's uh, got at least Italian, Portuguese... Espanol, uh, D is maybe Deutsch, uh, French. I'm not sure what NL is. We garen daran you dat we de stuken van onzi spellen gedurende ten jar gratis. Netherlands? Maybe. What the fuck language do they speak there? Netherlandish? Uh, Dutch? I don't know. Is Dutch a language, or is that just... Dutch is a language, yes. Okay. Not to be confused with Deutsch. Yeah, Deutsch is German. Yeah. So yeah, there, I brought a thing. Crow, on a scale of 1 to 17, would you buy this game? Um... It's got instructions in three kinds of Chinese. On a scale of one, <laughs> 1 to 17... Based no. on your, like, presentation of it? No. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird, but uh, looks looks kind of neat. So I'm excited to play it eventually at some point. One day. Yep. Anywho. Um. All right. Is that that all we got then for ye old podcast day? Podcasty. Podcasto. I think so. Podcasto. I think so. Is now the part of the uh, podcast where we just. <laughs> Bullshit about random crap? Uh, yeah, so, uh, Crow, what kind of random crap have you been bullshitting about lately? I'm going to uh, serenade you with beautiful, out-of-tune violin music while you talk. Oh. Gee, thanks. Well, I'm almost out of Chateau Romani, is that. Yeah, um, I, I ran out myself, and Chris has been so kind as to give me the rest of his, which means he probably has to drive soon. I am tiny compared to you. You calling me fat? I'm saying I can't absorb as much alcohol. Calling me fat? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, no. I think I'm almost done with Fire Emblem. Mm. Cool. Uh, yeah, which, uh, did you go through, you went through, uh, which? Golden Deer. Golden Deer, okay. That's the one that I haven't started. Because um, I did both storylines and the Black Eagles, and then I did the, uh, the other one. Uh, Blue, Blue Line. Or Blue Line. Yeah, and then I got, like, partway through that, and I was just kind of like, eh, I don't want to do all these chapters again, because it's literally the same thing for the third time, because the first half of the game is, is pretty the much the same 
for every uh, house, which is kind of annoying because I'm like, like yeah, I get to build my characters this way, but at the same time, I really don't like building characters in Fire Emblem. I want them to just kind of be who they are. Because I feel like that yeah. adds more to the character of them. So that's a thing that I kind of miss from previous Fire Emblem games. Uh, and, you know, after you've done it three times, it's it's just like, uh, it's a little bit of a grind at this point. And I, I just didn't have the energy to push through. It's so I, I kind of wish Fire that... Emblems. Right. No, wait, it's the Burger King of Fire Emblems. Yeah, have, have, it, have it your, your way. way. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so I, I just kind of wish that I could do like... Uh, like, if you could f skip up to the time skip on your subsequent playthroughs on a New Game Plus or something, I think that would be a much better way to handle it. Sort of and like, just yeah. be like, hey, you get uh, this much experience or whatever, uh, train up your guys. Sort of like how they handled it in Fates? Yeah. Where they, Maybe? the major choice for which campaign you were playing, you could just skip up to that once you got to it the first time. Right. Although... It, Admittedly, that was like after like the first chapter in Fates. Yeah, it doesn't. So it it take wasn't long like there the first half of the game. So I kind of understand why they did this because of the amount of customization that you have to put into your characters in order to make them effective. But at the same time, I'm just like, eh, I, I feel like a happy medium could have been struck, and it wasn't. But it, it was fine because uh, all the characters are great anyway, and so I do kind of want to see them grow through the first half. Except Byleth, Byleth is fucking awful. <laughs> That's true. So how close? I, I just did the the chapter Blood of Eagle and Lion, the battle on Grounder Field. How close am I to the end? Uh, the battle of Grounder Field. Let me see which one was that. Um, so you're right you're, after the bridge. Okay, bridge, battle grinder field. I feel like that's relatively close, because uh, the it's it's also a little hard to tell because there is some variation in the specifics in the how many like because actually the one of the Black Eagles routes had an additional chapter at the end mm -hmm. that uh, like if you are with the church you go a totally different way to have it's actually a unique chapter that wasn't even in the. Uh, the other one with a, a unique map and everything. So that was kind of cool to see also. So I'm not totally sure, but I feel like that's at least three quarters of the way. Yeah. I also beat Link's Awakening. Cool, yeah. Uh, did you like that? Uh, yeah. What do you think of the remake? Is it better than the original? I really like the remake. Uh, and... Almost objectively, yeah, it's better than the original. Yeah, to an extent. I, I miss the fucking photos. Yeah, the photos are the only thing that's missing from that. Mm -hmm. But, uh. Yeah, I think so we much vaguely talked about this eyes. before with Crow 2, didn't we? Yeah. But this time I actually beat it. So. Yeah. Because, uh, Crow, you also liked it pretty well, but you didn't play the original, did you? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Where'd Crow go? Did he dead? I don't know. It says we're connected. Now it says he's talking, but there's no noise coming he's out. He's talking. He can hear us, but we cannot hear him, I bet, is what he's saying. Probably. Say, uh, make your little speech thing go if that's... Oh. oh. Wait, now I'm hearing him type on his keyboard. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now yeah. I can hear you. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> cool. So that was... Not sure what that was. Anyway. 
Yeah. Something about Link's Awakening. Yes, I didn't play the original. I just didn't read it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Same here. Yeah, so that's that's fair. Because um, I, I played it and beat it, not as a kid, but like when I came back to it in my teenage years, I kind of beat it. Uh, so it's sort of nostalgic still towards... A, it, it feels like a game I beat when I was a kid, because it was like... 15 years ago it's but yeah. i want to say that the music in that game is surprisingly really good i mean the music in the original i actually thought was really really good and now just the remixes are all equally good remixes to how good the original score was because like even considering the fact that it's an 8-bit handheld system i feel like the arrangements were spot on for what that system could output yeah occasionally they had some weird qualities to them that i think came from the hardware limitations but at the same time i felt like they almost worked with that and made them have a weird eeriness to them which almost instilled this dreamlike sense of being in a dream uh which i i think heightened the experience overall I, so i think it was really clever how they worked with their limitations in the game. They always had very strong melodies, which helps to carry when you have, like, what, three channels to work with? Four channels to work with? Uh -huh. Uh, but then the updates, they don't, like... They just make them sound like they are, but with m modern instruments, mm -hmm. which is a rare... seems like is a rare thing. I feel like a lot of games, when they do remakes and update the music, they kind of overdo it mm -hmm. they ruin a lot of the simplicity of how it originally sounded I don't feel like that's the case at all with Link's Awakening yeah what would you rate that game on a scale of 3 to 17 probably a 16 alright Crow what game sorry Link's Awakening oh uh 12 13 Mm. Oh. In the middle there. Disparity. Yeah. Picking on one of my favorite games here. Because <laughs> um, I would give it a solid 17. It's uh, one of my Where favorite games of all time. It's in my top three. So, there you go. Well, top... Depending on my mood, you know, sometimes it'll swap places with Breath of the Wild. Is basically how that works. They're, they're very different games. But uh, yeah. they're both very good in their own way. Yeah. Let's see. I also love the face shrine theme. Yeah. That song is just awesome. The face shrine in general is a pretty cool dungeon, too. I was actually stuck in that dungeon as a kid. Was That was, like, the point. I couldn't figure out what the fuck to do. And then when I came back as a teenager, I, like, beat it in, like, an afternoon. And I was just like, what the fuck was wrong with me? I don't even understand what, what I wasn't doing. I just went through the dungeon and I was like, everything just sort of made sense and I did it fine. I don't know. I like, that's weird. I feel like kids' brains just work differently than I guess, huh? teenager brains. Yeah. Like, I found the second dungeon hard when I was like seven, playing that originally. And then I beat the game in about 12 hours uh, as an adult, so. You having fun there? Maybe. <laughs> or how about you? You gonna play it like a ukulele? I could play it like a ukulele. Mm. 
might want a few lessons. <laughs> Good beat. Is April watching cats? Um, probably not. No, that's not cats. That's. Yeah, that's that other musical. Sister Act. Yeah, sure. It's Sister probably, Act, apparently. Whatever it is, it's probably better than cats. I mean, most it things are so better than cats. Either, either you've seen cats? Nope. I've I heard the stories. It. Consider yourself lucky. <laughs> Is it as awful as everyone says? Uh, let so my wife break I, it down to you. I dragged him to it because I thought, ooh, a musical. I've always wanted to go see this musical on um, stage. So I was like, oh, cool. Well, now I don't have to pay for it because I can go see it for free you know movie in quotes let's just say you don't pay with money you paid with time sean and i both fell asleep (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the issues with it (laughs) (laughs) we both fell asleep we their their graphics were interesting and also apparently only partly repen- done because they like yeah. didn't actually finish all of the CGI work before they released it. Yeah, one of the cats had a had a wedding ring on. Um, <laughs> the people did repeated the songs. Yeah, the songs are very repetitive, which is a little bit of a downfall of Andrew Lloyd Webber anyway. But in this one particularly, I feel like it was just like grinding the one. <laughs> tune into your skull over and over and over for almost two hours with like a few numbers in there that had any interesting variation yes and it was very annoying and it was (sighs) there are cheaper places to sleep well actually not for us (laughs) (laughs) right yeah because we have a movie subscription anyways so we just like go to the movies for our subscription and we're like okay what movie do we want to see this week and usually it works out pretty well and sometimes it's like what the fuck are i watching why did my wife drag me to this or in my case why are these people's heads exploding (laughs) why did my husband make me come to this movie hey you wanted to see hell you know there was a certain point where i was just like i get it it's a bad movie and then there was a certain point where there were just so many like bad reviews i was like okay now i think i have to see this to complete my life. Not don't. because it's a good don't. thing. I'll don't pay for it. But because it's a bad thing. No, yeah. I, I feel like I love bad movies that are so bad that they're good. This one but is I just bad. This I one, do- Star Wars Holiday Special bad? Uh, yeah, probably. That that kind of... I don't know. I've never actually seen that one. I've, I've always kind of had that morbid curiosity. One I day don't I like- will watch the Star Wars Holiday Special. Stop. I don't like... <laughs> ho- I don't like bad movies. Shut up. I don't. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like. I don't like holiday movie or not holiday movies. I don't like movies that are bad for being bad. I don't. I hate shows that come out of um, sci-fi. I. (laughs) Shows that come out of sci-fi aren't even like enjoyably bad. They're just. Regular bad. Yeah, they're just terrible bad. I love bad sci-fi movies. The Sci-Fi oh. Channel originals are are the right they're kind of bad. They're just so terrible. I know. 
So but they're they're good, terrible. Speaking of bad movies, I did not realize rubber actually was like something that cost money to produce. So what, I was rubber? blown the, the... away by the, that the not not by the special effects, but by the fact that like the trailer had like production quality and special effects. Wait, are all. you talking about the the the, the tire that yeah. kills people? Yes, that that yes. movie. That movie. <laughs> That movie was hilarious. You actually watched that? Fuck yeah! Fuck! <laughs> My husband, everybody! Uh, and you just told everybody to fuck your husband. 